This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Some may never live, but the crazy never die. Hunter S. Thompson. It's not like we were cutthroat or competitive. I was stoked to see the tracker when... He moved up a place and then I was able and then see him finish and stuff. It was like, yeah, we want to all do the best we can, but it wasn't like I'm rooting for him to like keel over and pass out near the finish. It was like this camaraderie of rooting for everyone to do really well. And I think that's the cool thing. It's like we didn't run within an hour of each other for like the whole race as like hoping to destroy each other at the end. We want to like do the best we can, but it was more like, this is awesome. We're doing really well. And like, like met at mile three and then finish and say what's up at the finish line. I think that's more the sentiment of like, it's competitive and it's a race, but it's such a long race that there's so much room for the other things that are lacking in like a marathon or something shorter. I'm Doc and this is the John freaking Mirpod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail, dirt bags and hiker trash. I'm Doc and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. 
All right. I've got a real treat for our constant listeners this week. This week, I'm bringing back some fan favorites who have something in common. Welcome back to your third appearance on the John Freaking Muir Pod, Gabe Peterson, Kevin Goldberg, and Jeff Garmeyer. How's it going, guys? Awesome. Great. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, I am not sure how tonight's going to go. Yeah, it's going to be a freewheeling, wide-open episode. Not sure what to expect. I have roughed, up an out, roughed out an outline, uh, true to my form of trying to be organized, but I'm not sure if we're going to stick to that outline, and the guys certainly have not seen the outline, so I have no, no idea which direction this is going to go, but we are going to have a lot of fun. So uh, on the podcast, we usually go by trail names if you have them, and so I just want to remind everybody where we are with the status of your three trail names. Gabe, you want to go first? <laughs> Yeah, I haven't used my trail name in a while, but uh, back when we did the first appearance two years ago, it was Grinder when uh, Kevin and I, or Crusher, did the uh, John Muir, Muir Trail in, in five days. And I got that name because that was my approach. He would, he would crush the climbs and I would grind up the climbs. <laughs> different approaches, different approaches. Yeah. And that was a fun episode because you guys you guys fast-packed the, the John Muir Trail five days, 211 miles in five days. Still, I'm, I'm in awe of that. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. one of the things we didn't appreciate how hard it was until at the end. We were like, oh, I wonder why no one does that. Yeah, having run a bunch of 200-milers, I was like, five days to go 210 miles? Sign me up, easy. And man... <laughs> Now, 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 Gabe uh, reminded us of your trail name, Kevin. It was it was Crusher, but uh, it seems that you have picked up another trail name, so to speak. What what is what's the going uh, moniker? <laughs> yeah, I don't know how it happened or or, or what happened during the race, but uh, somehow I became quite a favorite in the in the live chat, and and strangers from all over the world were calling me the People's Runner. Um, nice. So I'm the People's Runner now. The people's runner. How do you think that came about? I mean, you, do you kind of represent just kind of like the everyman, and people kind Definitely of identify not. with you? Um, not, <laughs> not that I, not that I know of. Uh, I, I had, I had a few friends in the chat who were, you know, kind of screaming all caps and, and making a scene, and maybe one of them said it at one point and it caught on. I really, really don't know, but it's got a nice ring to it. I'll take it. The people's runner. Have you? Have I think you had it a... should be. You should be matchmaker. I think that that should be the trailman. I, I like matchmaker. That's pretty cool. So uh, he's referring to what I do for a living, which is a uh, match coaches and athletes at training peaks. So what he says when he introduces himself is he's like, I'm a professional matchmaker. And yeah. It's, it's pretty funny. And he doesn't allude to what that means for a little bit. <laughs> you know, it's just be like, okay, wh what does that mean? That's, yeah. that's the hook, right? I mean, you say that you don't explain it and people are, their ears are open. They're like, what, okay, what's going on here? What, what, what's he <laughs> exactly. going to match me with? Who, who's exactly. he going to match me with? Very smart. Very smart. And Jeff, how about you? Um, I guess my trail name's legend. Um, yeah, I think people call me lots of good, bad or ugly things, but we'll go with legend for now. <laughs> well, give us, give us an example of, of the bad and the ugly. What, what have they called you? Oh, I mean, can't repeat some of those, but, you know, people are really latching onto this feline and tiger type uh, thing as well lately. But, you know, I'll stick to legend. That's the tried and true for 12 years. Nice. Now, I, I, I know what you're referring to in terms of the feline. Uh, I really, <laughs> I really dug the uh, the tiger shirt that you were 
the tiger tank top that you were wearing, <laughs> the tiger hoodie. There were no sleeves and it had a hood, right? Yeah, no, it's my first sewing project as I cut the sleeves off it and hung them up myself. <laughs> so you got to learn to sew with something you're passionate about, like tiger themed clothing. Man, also his many talents. His whole crew at uh, Echo Godona was all in 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 cat print or animal print of some some <laughs> form, which was awesome because they were a super fun group. And every time we saw them, it was just couldn't miss them, and and really hard not to smile no matter how miserable you were feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah I told them all in it. In the email when they all were like into doing it, it was like, all right, number one, and they're like expecting something serious. It's like we're not gonna rush and we're gonna have fun. And it's like everything else will take care of itself. And they're like, What? Don't you like have specifics on like pacing and stuff? It's like, no, let's just have fun out there and we'll do great. <laughs> and uh the people's runner beat me to the punch here because uh the next part here was, you know, um, we have not yet revealed what you guys have in common. All, are, are you guys all calendar year triple crowners? Hell no. No. That would be no. cool. <laughs> Jeff's, Jeff's done that. Legend's done that. He's, he's written a book about it in case, in case you haven't, haven't read that yet. But uh, how about are you all Barkley Marathon competitors? Yes. No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but when you guys do become all Barkley Marathon competitors, we can come back and we can talk about that experience as well. Because as you guys know, I'm a little borderline obsessed with that. I'll run the Barkley when you run the Barkley, Doc. that might be never then (laughs) all right so tell us then what what do you guys have in common other than this is your third time on the john freaking mirror pod what else do you have in common we're all really yeah yeah we're all tired um but that's how i when i I think the first words i said to jeff were hey we have something weird in common and it was that we were all uh we were john freaking mirror podcast guests but I think the answer you're looking for, Doc, is that we all have run the Coca Dona 250. That's right. This this past, or actually, so this is the second running of the Coca Dona, right? The first yeah. season, uh, Gabe, I believe you ran the Coca Dona and were supported and crewed by Kevin. Yeah, he was my my one man wrecking crew. It was like having it was like having a crew of like three or four people. He was amazing, and it turned out to be a pretty magical race for me. It's still probably the race I think is one of my best. And so uh, my wife saw how much he did. You know, usually, you know, they have family and all that, so getting away is hard. But she's like, you, you have to go help Kevin. He did so much for you. I'm like, all right, the boss says I have to go, so I'm going. So it was a, a guilt-free week. Nice. I'm just waiting for Mrs. Doc to say, you know, you seem to be really obsessed with this through hiking thing. You should do the PCT. <laughs> Maybe you're not obsessed enough yet. <laughs> <laughs> and then this year you guys flip-flopped and Kevin became the people's runner, ran the race and was crewed by Gabe. That's correct. And Jeff just decided to run it both years. <laughs> and Jeff, yeah, you did it both it. years? Yep, I have an issue with overcommitting, but okay. still alive. <laughs> and we're going to talk about the details of the race in just a little bit, but uh, just to whet your appetite, how many miles is the Cocodona and where is it located? Uh, 250 miles, much like the name. And it's in Arizona, it usually goes from the outskirts of Phoenix to Flagstaff this year because of fires. It was a little different from Prescott to Flagstaff, but still 250 miles just a little different course 
Okay. Yeah. The name gives it away. Is that what you're saying? The Coca Dona 250? Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. kind of really spoiler alert. They want to make sure that anybody who's signing up for the Coca Dona knows the distance before they fill out the application. Yeah, last, last year was a little bit of false advertising. So it was 258 miles last year. So you get to 250, and you're standing on the top of Mount Eldon. Oh, there's eight more miles left. Yeah, you know, the, the endurance activities, it is so mental, right? So much of your mental um, experience factors into uh, how you approach it. And when you, when you think, when your body thinks that you're done, when, when your watch reads 26.2 and you, you think you should be done with the marathon and it's, it's you know, it's another half mile because you're, you're off somehow, it's very disappointing. I'm going to say I ran a brew run last night and it was supposed to be a 5k and it ended at 2.3 miles. And I was really happy. <laughs> the other <laughs> way works was, too, right? Nice. Yeah. My body was hurting and it was like, I only did this to do something with friends, but 2.3 mile 5k and I still didn't get a PR, but still. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But yeah, it is so mental. All the last year was weird like they didn't quite know how many miles the race would be i think they said before the race last year in the inaugural year yeah it's just a guesstimate don't uh, don't hold yeah, us to like, it it's far yeah. good luck guys yeah yeah to be fair they i think they do say ish in the race document so that covers you know plus or minus 20 <laughs> now if you're if you're not watching this on youtube if you're just listening you're missing out on the the beverages here so i, I see uh, gabe is uh, hoisting a yellow beverage to his mouth occasionally. Uh, Legend is drinking out of a, a cup. I'm not sure what's in it. Uh, Kevin, I haven't seen you take a drink yet. I've, I've been taking a drink, beer, but yeah. Oh, okay, there you go. Okay, nice. Yeah. All right. The Must Bring Gear Review. Oh, that's Half Calf introducing the Must Bring Gear Review sponsored by the Ultralight Backpacking Gear Company, Six Moon Designs. And here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a 250-ish mile trail race, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So guys, what is your must-bring piece of gear? Who wants to go first here? Uh, I'll go first. Probably like squirrel's nut butter, some anti-chafe uh, goodness since in a the desert in Arizona, you you have a lot of things rubbing against each other for a lot of miles, and 250 miles is what like half a million steps. So that's a lot of rubbing going on. Mm-hmm. Is that the official name, Squirrel's Nut Butter? Yeah, it's good stuff. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. You just imagine um, you use it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say that's very specific. Uh, yeah, you can use. I, I actually, I yeah, I used it in some creative places on a on, during the race. Um, yeah. I would. Uh, mine would be a leave uh, by Bear. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> done. You popping those like they're M and M's? Oh yeah, they they uh, you, you know if you chew them they work faster. <laughs> get them get them into the bloodstream quicker. Yeah, uh, but if I'm being serious, uh, if you know. Chances are they'd pack a generic one, you know, if they were packing my pack. So let's go with. Um, I was pretty happy with my shoes. I, I wear ultras and and would would want would want those on my feet. So I, I did the Olympus and the Timp for uh, for the race, and and they treated me well. Okay, those two pairs of shoes. I did. Yeah, yeah, I went. I did two pairs of shoes during the race. Yeah. 
did you wear the first pair out or are there specific uses for those uh, <laughs> shoes? Um, I changed uh, the temps with like 20 miles to go just to get a different like stimulus on my feet. It actually helped, helped a lot, tremendously because my feet were in a lot of pain. And then with the new shoes, it, it kind of all just went away. Just a different feeling. Okay. That almost sounds like a pro tip and we will have a pro tip at the end, just to remind you guys, you guys are all veterans of the pod and we'll get uh, a pro tip from each of you, but that's a, that's a good tip for a 250 ish mile race, changing mm-hmm. up the footwear the last 20 miles, get a new feeling. Okay. How about you, Gabe? Uh, I'll, I'll throw your, your sponsor some love. Uh, actually this year carried and, and previously carried a six moon design uh, umbrella. So if, if you remember from last year, this is like a key piece of gear for, for Cocodona. I think last year was a bit hotter. And uh, I got the idea actually on the PCT where I saw through hikers carrying these umbrellas and I knew it was going to be hot. And I was like, Hey, that's a really good idea. Uh, so I used that at Cocodona and then I, I used it at a uh, bad water. Uh, that thing was awesome at bad water. They've made so much heat stress, even though I was still super hot, but it helped a little bit. I think I came, I came like with an inch of puking and without that, with, without that umbrella, I definitely would have puked. <laughs> <laughs> So I definitely get that the six moon design makes it super compact one. That's like four ounces. So it fits in a running pack really easy. So you can, you just pull it out whenever uh, the sun gets too intense. Nice umbrellas, not just for rain. They can keep you from puking as well. Yes. They need to come out with like a, a hat umbrella. That'd be cool. You're onto something there, legend. That. Yeah. That's a, that's a great yeah. idea. There you go. It's a good business yeah. idea. <laughs> Yeah, I'll talk to Whitney at Six Moon Designs. We'll get that going. <laughs> hey, yeah, Whitney. By the time this episode airs, Whitney's episode will have come out. So Whitney is uh, season oh. four, episode two. A lot of fun talking to him. And uh, um, he, he was. we talked, and then he went out on a couple of adventures, and uh, we're able to line up the, the whole sponsorship thing. So it's a lot of fun. Cool. Yeah. Big moves on the John freaking Mirpod. That's right. Don't, don't, uh, don't rest on us. Here we go. <laughs> All right. Hey, let's back up a little bit and let's, let's remind everybody uh, a little bit about your background and maybe some of your career highlights. Uh, what, what, uh, what you've done out there in the area of trail running or through hiking or just outdoor adventure. So uh, Gabe, let's start with you. Where, where'd you grow up and, and uh, how'd you get involved in outdoor adventure and, just kind of rattle off some of your accomplishments. Uh, sure. Grew up in Northern, Northern California, up in the Redwood Forest, Humboldt County, famous for, uh, for its Redwood trees and alternative agriculture. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, always pretty active runner my whole life. And then um, when I was turning 40, I said, hey, I, you know, I've always wanted to do a half Ironman. I'm going to do a half Ironman because I'm turning 40. And then I'll never do this again. I'll put the bike, hang the bike up on the garage wall. Did the half Ironman. That was fun. They did an Ironman. And then that video was kind of like, uh, just kept climbing the ladder. Um, spent four years living in Utah and amazing mountains there. Lived right at the base of the Wasatch Mountains. And so at some point, I didn't really realize there were such things as ultras until one day, uh, just like, Hey, these are actually races. Instead of doing Ironman triathlon, I could, I could be running in the mountains. So I did my first, uh, first ultra, this one called Antelope Island 50 K, which is Antelope Island's a Island in the Salt Lake. Um, and that was fun. And I just kind of kept, 
kept going up to the next distance each year. The next year did a 50 miler in Moab and then uh, did a hundred miler, the Bear 100 in Northern Utah. And then you, you think, oh, I'm done. I've done a hundred miler. There's nothing else to do. And then someone tells you about 200 milers. At first, like, oh no, never. But you, you think about it for a while and you're like, huh, maybe that doesn't sound like such a bad idea. <laughs> so uh, I signed up for the Moab 240, which is where, where I met Kevin. Um, and uh, you know, I said, I'll just do it once, that'll be it. And uh, of course, I got to the finish. And the next day I'm on uh, ultra sign up is which is where you sign up for all the ultra races. <laughs> and I sign up for the, the Tahoe 200. Um, and then uh, Kevin and I ended up doing the, the John Muir trail, which we, we talked about. Um, and then last year did Cocodona, the inaugural race, um, had a pretty good race for me, came in 19th overall. And then uh, two months later, uh, did the bad water, 135, uh, pretty good. <laughs> pretty good race I survived, which is kind of a definition of a good race because it was kind of my kryptonite roads and hot, <laughs> the two things that I don't don't like a whole lot. Um, and uh, yeah, so that kind of gets us to present day. Okay. Before we, we move on, Gabe has to tell us what present day is and what he's doing this year. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so that that Tahoe 200 I signed up for after Moab, the race has been, has been canceled for the last year, so my entries rolled forward. So next month I'm doing uh, the Tahoe 200. And then in September I'm doing uh, Tour de Jeans, which is a 200-mile race through the Italian Alps with oh, about wow. 80,000 feet of vertical. Wow. Wow. Now I have to ask, um, you know, they came up – with the marathon 26.2 and then somebody said you know that's that's not far enough and so they came up with this concept of ultras and so then you then you've got 50 mile races and someone said that's not far enough let's let's do 100 miles now now you've got 200 mile races you've got the moab 240 and then someone comes along and says hey let's do the cocodona let's make it 250 i mean is, is there a 300 mile race on the horizon somewhere well, can we can we step back and say the first person that ran a marathon didn't he die right when he finished? I mean, he died. He delivered his news and then he he keeled over and and died. That's correct. <laughs> kind of a warning sign, right? Why would anybody do yeah. that again? No kidding. We're keep upping it. Yeah, so <laughs> three hundred mile race uh, in the future. Uh, I wouldn't uh, be someone surprised. Will, yeah. Someone will put it on. I, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if there's a five hundred mile race sometime <laughs> in the next couple of years. I, I, I do wonder Kevin, at what, uh, I think yeah, Kevin, at what point I does think it Kevin become a stage create, race? I think Kevin should create a 300 mile race and call it the people's race. Perfect. <laughs> I'll get, I'll, I'll have it done by end of day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Throw me an entry. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> uh, if right, Kevin's Kevin. race, the runners would have to live stream as they're running. The whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you live stream so many, Kevin? Runs. I spent well. There, the race live streamed itself, and uh, and I spent so much time in that live stream, just <laughs> hours. Um, much to my probably to my detriment. Like my pacers would be like, "Put your phone away. Like you're gonna, you're wasting time. You're gonna trip and fall. There's so many things that are I like. Just once I realized that it like helped me stay awake, I just spent hours in the live stream talking to people. It was it was fun, but also probably a little silly. Um, okay. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it helps keep you awake. Yeah. Um, 
I'll go. I'll go next because I don't want to follow Jeff because I, I know some <laughs> of his accomplishments. So we'll we'll let him capstone this. Um, I uh, I got into trail running uh, when I realized about 10, 15 years, more, closer to fifteen years ago, like that I really didn't want to do the work required to become faster at the marathon distance. It was just miserable. Um, so I discovered ultras, realized I could uh, be slow and and still kind of be fast. Um, and then, uh, so I worked my way up the distance ladder and then I had uh, hip surgeries in 2016 and 2017. So bilateral, both sides, um, questionable whether or not I was ever going to be able to return to running. So much to my personality type, I decided to try something insane to see, like prove to myself whether or not I was going to be able to still be a runner. Um, so I ran the 2018 Bigfoot 200 cause that seemed like my first good event back. Um, <laughs> and uh my hips didn't hurt everything else did but my hips were great everything held up um so from there I, I loved I fell in love with the distance um absolutely just thought it was such a cool community um 2019 I signed up for the triple crown of 200s um did pretty well there in those races and uh yeah just decided that 200s were my jam um I did Bigfoot again in 2021 that was my fifth and then Cocodona was my my sixth official 200. I've covered the distance a couple of times uh, through self-supported adventures like the JMT and some other things, but um, hoping to do more of those like fast packing solo style adventures in the future, but really love the 200s as like a hybrid between an ultra race and a, and a solo adventure. Uh, yeah. Okay. Hey, Kevin, a couple of follow-up questions. Uh, you mentioned something right off the bat there that I found intriguing. Whenever you tell people you, you, you've run a marathon, you know, they ask you about your time. Oh, yeah, really? Mm-hmm. What was your time? What was your time? <laughs> so there's that pressure there to, to you know reveal a good a good time. And right. then uh, I heard you say that you know trying to get faster at a marathon is just it's grueling, right? It's it's uh, it's a lot of work. And so you went with the ultra because and what it seemed to me what you were saying is that with an ultra, you say, hey, I ran 200 miles. People don't say, <laughs> wow, what was your time? They're just like. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! Yeah, I mean, you, you get yeah. The, you get full credit without any kind of judgment over time. Yep, exactly. Okay, and I found it's a lot, it's a lot easier when people ask what your marathon time is. Just say two eighteen and move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good tip. Pro tip. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> nice. And then another follow up comment, not really a question, but I, I learned during our second interview together with uh, season three, episode one with Gabe and Kevin, that Kevin is one of the country's premier 200 milers. Uh, I didn't know that I was Gabe- talking to, to 200 mile royalty. Yeah, he's kind of a big deal. He's a big deal. Yeah. Absolutely. He's the people's runner. That's right. That's, that's what Gabe says, at least. I don't know if we can, I don't, I don't know how viable that information is, but. Hey, in addition to your stock response of yeah. uh, 218 for your marathon, I would, if I were you, I'd carry <laughs> in my wallet uh, cards that, that just said the people's runner uh, premier 200 miler and yeah. hand those out when you meet people. So. Yeah, well, I'm going to have to have those the, for the race. I'm, yeah. <laughs> he might be the best 200 miler that eats carbs that I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I would think that that's a benefit of being a 200 miler. You can eat whatever the hell you want. You know, there's a lot of weirdos that do 200s. Too deep. <laughs> but, well, yeah, well, no, you know what, Kevin's Jeff? You, a, you, 
Jeff, you you have the you real my interest right there. What is? Yeah. Tell me, take me through the gamut of uh, the types of people that run two hundreds. Oh, yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot of people that uh, like a lot of different dietary styles out there, and there's some that are plant based, and some that are completely the opposite, and swear by it. And then there's people like me and Kevin who probably live somewhere in in the middle there that are more like eat what you feel like, and it's just kind of funny to see how all the different ones work or don't work at the same time. Yeah. You know, when I finish when I finish marathons, I, I say to myself, I'm going to eat the whole dang pizza. I don't care. I just ran a marathon. It does not matter what I'm eating. Yep. So yeah. When, when the BLTs were so good at Munns Park, it was like, no, I don't just want two. I think I want four of these. Yeah. So <laughs> that's what I did. <laughs> Yeah, last uh, uh, yeah. last year, Kevin uh, Kevin saved my race because the it was the kind of the first year of the race. So they were working out some kinks with the aid stations, um, so they weren't prepared. Like runners would show up and say, like, "I want like a cheeseburger or a burrito." It was more like you know, like, "Hey, here's some snacks." Like, no, I need I need like a thousand calories. So Kevin would uh, supply me with gas station burritos <laughs> as running. <laughs> so guys, that that race was powered by gas station burritos all the way to the finish <laughs> wow nice a lot of gas power <laughs> <laughs> all right jeff how about you where'd you, where'd you grow up yeah. and uh, get, take us through your your resume i grew up in vancouver washington and then have done a number of adventures over the years um done the pct a few times the calendar year triple crown great western loop a few fkts i think my favorite thing to say in these situations is my second ultra marathon was the barkley marathons which is kind of an insane statement but um yeah cocodona this year was my fifth ultra marathon i don't really race very much but now i've done enough that i like to cherry pick the really fun or intense ones or crazy sounding ones and um yeah getting like I don't know the the whole longer and aid stations and figuring it out this year was completely different because last year I went pretty much no so I went with no crew and then I just had a buddy that jumped into pace a little bit of it so this was my first real experience with crew and pacers too this year so come a long ways my background's really in self-supported stuff or just long mountain days and through hiking and stuff so kind of in a new world but it's like way too fun of a world because you're out there with 250 other crazy people yes now with the barkley being your second ultra i know that laz <laughs> he always he always picks one applicant from the field that is completely and wholly unprepared for the experience just uh, just as a matter of fun and 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 lets that person into the race do you think because that was only your second ultra that you were that guy that year it wasn't me no because you get <laughs> you get the big number one if you're the sacrificial virgin and oh really one. yeah so i, I don't me. think it i knew that cool. yeah wow inside info tip yes. you heard it here first nice yeah exclusive was, right here yeah. on the john freaking mirror pod <laughs> yep yeah so just uh or no, this has been a little bit of a new route into more racing, but it's been uh, super cool and fun to see what works from like self-supported through hiking stuff and what I got to completely figure out once again. Mm -hmm. 
And in case our listeners, uh, maybe we have new listeners who are unfamiliar with the calendar year Triple Crown, what's what's that all about? Yeah, it's the Appalachian Trail, Pacific Crest Trail, and the Continental Divide Trail in the same calendar year. It's like 8,000 miles. And yeah, I did it from May, uh, from February to October. So it was uh, kind of a crazy thing to do it. 25 years old, but people kept telling me growing up that if you want to do something, you shouldn't wait to do it. And now I'm 31 and I did all the things. So now I should like probably go get a real job. <laughs> nah. <laughs> a rollicking good time out there, 8,000 miles. And if people want to read about it, can they, can they read about it? They can. Yeah. It's, there's a, it's on audible or anywhere books are sold called free outside. Okay. And one of my favorite stories from one of the times you were on the podcast earlier was a story from the Great Western Loop when you, you saw some antlers that you thought would be nice to take home. Oh, yeah. They belonged to moose, and they were still attached, and I got charged by those moose. That was, uh, yeah, that was, that was a good time. But, you know, along the way, I've had to swim across some icy rivers, get charged by grizzlies, and all kinds of stuff, especially at night, which makes these 200s more exciting because there's like aid stations and other people out there and there's not grizzly bears in Arizona. So it makes the nighttime feel a little more comfortable. Nice. Now, Legend, I know you're a regular guest. Not sure if you're a regular listener, but if you were a regular listener, you would know that I have told that moose and the antler story uh, and you about 15 times uh, in various episodes. So... Yeah, it's it's very like me to just think I'm going to pack out these antlers on top of my pack, but they're still attached to the animal. I mean, kind of sums up how I am in a nutshell. All right. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of the Cocodona 250. Stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water, using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. With a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. With the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it, Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. 
Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. We are talking to Gabe, Kevin, and Jeff, also known as Grinder, the People's Runner, and Legend. Uh, this is their third time on the John Freak and Pod, and they also have in common the fact that they have all run the Cocodona 250. And so let's let's talk about how someone trains for a 250-ish mile race. You know what? How how long does it take? I, I've, I've trained. I've run marathons. I know how to train for a marathon. I know the the level of commitment there, and you never fully run the 26 miles prior to the race. I think the longest run is probably 20 or 22 miles training run. Uh, how does how does that translate to a 250 mile race? Kevin has the most background in even working for a company based on training, so he should probably start us <laughs> off with a real answer before I. <laughs> sure. Um, I uh, yeah, I approached this one uh, maybe better than I've approached any of the other ones uh, I've trained for. I trained really well for this race. Um, I, I focused a lot more on running. I'm a really strong climber. I like climbing. So most of my training is, is typically spent in the mountains doing a lot of vertical gain. Um, but uh, this was kind of my first time training for a spring race. So a lot of the trails were covered in snow and ice. Uh, and knowing that that's a strength for me, I really did want to focus on just becoming a better, faster runner. Uh, so I signed up for some more kind of runnable flatter training races, decided to race those hard, um, set PRs in, in most of the, the shorter ultra distances throughout training. Um, and I just put in a ton of volume. Uh, I cut out most of my extracurriculars. I spend a lot of time fly fishing and biking. Um, and for about five months at the beginning of this year, I, I cut most of that out and just focused on running, running, running. Um, I put in about 1100 miles or so from the first of the year to the race, um, which ended up being about 12 to 15 hour weeks on average with, uh, anywhere from 60 to hundred miles, depending on how much gain I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the first time really focused on quantity, um, not necessarily over quality, but, but, just, um, focused on volume and, uh, and was able to hold it together, uh, kind of always felt like I was right on that edge of, of going too far. Um, and, uh, I did struggle during the race with some, some, I don't want to call them injuries, but I was in a lot of pain by the end. Things didn't go perfectly by any means, but, um, I was able to more or less accomplish what I set out to do. So I think training went well. Okay. And what was, what was your longest training run? Uh, I think my longest training run was with Gabe, we did, uh, we did the backbone trail out in Santa Monica, which traverses the Santa Monica mountains. Uh, we did that kind of like as a long run hike with friends started at like, what did we start at like 2am, 3am? Yeah. And we finished at like 9pm. It was a really, really fun trip. That was about 68 miles. Um, and then I did a 50 miler in training as well. Um, but other than that, I mean, my longest training runs were 
marathon or, or lower. I never go unless it's a, a an event or a, or, or a social thing. I never willingly go above a marathon. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's wisdom right there. <laughs> Jeff, how about you? I mean, all my training, it was a lot less. I uh, <laughs> I I won our last person standing event on New Year's Day, like 130 or somewhere in their miles, and then. I like had a couple good months of training, nothing too crazy. And then I had had like a quad tear and then like was trying to run a little bit through that. And then my IT band flared up. So the last like six weeks leading into Cocodona, I averaged like 11 miles a week. So my biggest training run, I think, was 14 miles for the two months leading into Cocodona. And so. And then, wow, that, uh, the that last, is, that's mind boggling. Yeah, yeah so like i got a half marathon training run in there and it was pacing someone so it was pretty pretty slow but yeah i mean it was like i was going to like pt doing a lot of like other exercises to try to strengthen things and get healthy and it was still a bit of a question mark leading in but everything else felt felt really strong and fresh and healthy and kind of goes to show like if there's that volume or that background there. You can draw on that as long as you're showing up as close to healthy as possible. And I had the IT van flare up a couple times, mostly in the the coldest sections, but just walk through that. And then as the day warmed up, it got better. And it just, yeah, being healthier and not trying to train through, through injury seemed to be probably the only way I could have even finished it. But yeah, a very weird thing like one of the the competitor that just finished right behind me and kevin actually he was logging more miles a week than i logged in the entire month of april so it's pretty crazy <laughs> wow so yeah two... and he uh, yeah Come here, kevin. he for as many for as many miles as i just claimed to be doing the the person who finished behind us that just referring to uh, he was putting in significantly more than me i've never seen someone train so much for an event and I've got the I've got the results page open here on the computer. That would be Jason Coop. <laughs> that that would probably be him. Yeah. Yes. And I, when, when we were at break, we, I heard something about uh, uh, chase chasing catching no catching Coop. Uh, there, there's a story in there somewhere. What tell 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 us about uh, catching Coop? Well, I think to put it in the whole perspective of the race, it was a very fast race. Like last year, it started with a really tough climbing section. This one was. You shouldn't even call it runnable at mile zero of 250, but everyone was like running up this like low graded hill. And that's when me and Kevin met at like mile three. And it was like, I was like, wow, I can't believe I'm getting passed by this many people. And I was like, isn't this crazy? And he's like, yeah, there's maybe like two people up there that I would even be nervous about. And lo and behold, 12 hours later, we're like back in the top 10 firmly. But um, Jason Cooper was one of those who had the lead for probably 200 of or around the lead for 200 miles of the race or something just with diligence and consistency we both just reeled him in and caught him in the last section of the race the last 20 miles so it was a just an interesting style and seeing how much he trained and how his legs and knees were kind of blown up near the end too it's like i don't know any science or anything behind it but it was interesting that consistency and not starting out near the front how it seemed to pay off as the race kept going on 
So is the lesson here to, you know, just run a half marathon prior to the Copacabana <laughs> and uh, save the knees for that, for that finish? I think the lesson here is that you don't need to set your 5k PR at a 250 mile race. <laughs> These races are, Coop, are you know, yeah. go ahead. Coop, Coop didn't do that, but like a lot of people like were running probably oh, yeah. 24 minute 5k's to start the thing off and just blowing by everyone up a hill. And it was like, this is like hour one of what's going to be three <laughs> days. This is insane. That was going to be my strategy for the next LA marathon was I was going to, I was going to do a full on <laughs> sprint for the first 200 yards. So I could say that I, I led the LA marathon for a period. There you go. Yeah. yeah. I don't know your sprint, but the people who win the LA marathon, their, <laughs> their pace is probably close to your sprint, not to burst your bubble here. <laughs> that, that is a fair and accurate point. Thank you, legend. <laughs> you, you can, you can tell just from looking at me, my, uh, my top speed. So I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, well, marathon's a different beast. It's, it's, it's wild, but yeah, still the same thing. And it's like, you're going to hit the wall eventually. And as uh, Kevin and me were talking at mile, like five, it's like the goal is to be able to run on day two. These people are just emptying their tanks on day one. So pretty wild. And I think we both had amazing like 2000 foot climbs up Eldon at mile 240 of the race. And that only comes from not burning all your matches early on. That seems cruel to put uh, a, a, a mountain at mile 240 of a 250 mile race. That's just a oh, little hill. Certainly. Well, Gabe said he had an out-of-body experience there, didn't you, Gabe, yeah, last year? Last year. Yeah, yeah. and he's not exaggerating. Having been with him, like he, <laughs> like he, like it wasn't Gabe. He wasn't there. <laughs> the body, as I recall, the body was the body was moving forward, but his his consciousness was somewhere fifteen to twenty feet above him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it, it felt that it required no effort. I could feel no pain while I was climbing up. <laughs> Whoa, that's pretty cool. <laughs> now, Gabe, you crewed for Kevin this year. Uh, he crewed for you last year. So how, how was the experience different this year for you? Uh, well, I didn't have an out-of-body experience. <laughs> it was pretty cool, to be, you know, to get a front row seat to uh, the people's, people's runner. <laughs> but no, I think it was just <clears throat> being lucid. You know, you, you actually don't sleep a whole lot while you're crewing. Um, it's kind of surprising. You're, you're basically like... I paced a lot. I think I paced Kevin something like a, over a hundred K. And then during one of the breaks I had, I went and paced a, another buddy, Tim for 15 miles. Um, so, so I, but I still got enough sleep that I was, I was lucid when I was out there. And so it was interesting to see that just the, like we're chatting about during the break is um, going through some of those sections. Again, I realized how much during the race I was projecting my emotions onto the environment. Uh, like I was telling a story about, near near mount eldon you go through flagstaff and i remember we go we get through there at night it just seemed like this really ominous place and i, I said kevin you know this is where people got to get murdered in flagstaff and then we went through there in the daytime and it seemed like a lovely place like a pond like you might have a picnic there so it's like it, your your perception of things is very warped by the fact that you have barely slept <laughs> for three or four days um, so it was, well, yeah. it was, it was different and your, you know, your, your responsibility is to take care of the runner, which is 
um, uh, for most runners, it's um, keeping them eating. Like 90% of the runners' problems are they're not eating enough. Uh, for Kevin, it was keeping him off of, of the live stream. <laughs> like, <laughs> keeping him off of what? I, the live stream. So I, I, sometimes I'd be in front of him and I'd hear him talking. I thought he was talking to me. I'd turn around and he's got his phone. <laughs> he's on the live stream doing an interview on the live stream. <laughs> Uh, I was uh, addicted. I, I thought he for sure he was gonna trip and totally face flat, and his phone was gonna go fly. <laughs> hey, Kevin, let's let's make a deal right now. Next year in the Cocodona, we're gonna do two or three episodes of the John Freaking Muir Pod <laughs> live from from the during. trail. Yes, yeah, uh, during deal. with with, with the People's Runner. Yeah, I like it. Done. <laughs> nice, nice. And to go go back to people get murdered in Flagstaff. Me and my pacer actually got pulled over by the sheriff going down a road at 1 a.m. around Flagstaff. So maybe people do get murdered out there. this year. This year we oh, were man. like middle of the night, like between like Kelly Canyon and Flagstaff on one of those dirt roads, and apparently one of the houses along the way called the cops because there were like headlight headlamps going down the road around them, and the cops pulled us over or the sheriff pulled That's up. That's funny. And luckily my pacer is like coherent because I would have just been arrested. It's like, just take me. I can't really talk. It's night three. I'm done for. <laughs> and let's talk about sleep deprivation. I mean, you're, you're at times you have to be running on fumes out there. And, you know, we heard about Gabe and his out of body experience. What, what does sleep deprivation do to somebody out there? How much sleep do you get? I got uh, 30 minutes at mile 144 and 60 minutes at mile 213. Uh, so 90 minutes total. I didn't take any trail naps for probably the first time ever in a 200 for me. Um, and that was not enough. Um, <laughs> I, I would have liked more. But um, for me, night three is always the crux. I turn into like a, like a zombie toddler. Um, mm -hmm. And I just like, I'm not pleasant to be around. I don't want to be around myself. I won't eat. I won't move forward fast. I just want to basically just want to be done. Um, usually when sun, the sunrise comes up on night, on I guess day four. Um, and I'm usually nearing the finish enough where I can rally. Um, everything's, you know, uh, rainbows and butterflies again, but, um, yeah, the sleep really hits me hard on, on night three. Um, I, I'm toying with the idea of sleeping more next time I run one of these, uh, just cause it sounds nice. <laughs> yeah. I, I can verify that when we were Kevin came into Fort Tuttle, which I think is like, what is it? 2:13. Uh, but mm -hmm. his, his, the, the guy had been pacing him. Greg had been messaging us and he's like, Kevin's not speaking in, in coherent sentences anymore. <laughs> And Kevin comes into the aid station. He's got blood all over his face, which he described <laughs> as his war paint. <laughs> so my, wow. I had some pretty, pretty epic nosebleeds, and like and a lot of people did, but most people are boring and just do whatever with that blood. Um, I, you know, not being, the people's runner, uh, not the people's runner, an the opportunistic not gonna be person. Boring. No, I saw an opportunity to make art and uh and you know put 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 some more paint on my my art was i stuck a tampon up my nose <laughs> pro tip uh, there you go pro tip right there jeff yeah. how much sleep did you get about an hour and a half total probably i had like a 
kind of planned 45 to an hour at Sedona, which was kind of a middle-ish ground and there was good crew aid station and just tried to reset so that was like beginning of night two got like an hour and then from there it was just like supplemental naps along the way but yeah that night three is when things get weird i had a friend bryce pacing me from that 213 so like 37 miles left to go for 20 or so miles he paced me and like he like stopped turned around to wait for me i was like at one point whoa is there like like an old guy in a blaze orange sweater standing behind you and he was like i don't know what you're talking about man it was like me neither i'm sure i'm hallucinating but it looks really real but yeah i don't know it's just that push through things and it just kind of cracks me up when your mind creates things and i've had it happen enough where it's not scary or uncomfortable anymore it's just kind of entertaining like holy cow this i'm so tired but my mind has the energy to make up this like vivid things and in, in a world where these do not fit in and so i had the same thing too my pacer was like you sound like you're so blackout drunk right now on my crew. <laughs> it was like the incoherent sentences like stumbling a little bit and it got really cold and i think that like escalated all the the sleep deprivation issues but once daylight came back to normal had like the plan of trying to catch one more runner in front of me and i think kevin had a similar plan and it worked out for us both for catching it and but it is weird that fight through that last night and when the day comes you're like i'm finishing in the daylight i don't have to do one more night it's kind of an amazing feeling (laughs) wow that is wild. And I think when people hear that uh, you're a crew member, you're crewing, you're supporting a, a runner, they think, oh, you're, you're driving alongside in a van, handing them a water bottle occasionally. And that, that game is certainly not the experience I'm hearing here. There's, uh, no, it, it's, a, it's also an endurance event for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're putting in some pretty good miles yourself. So you, you have to, you have to be mindful to take care of yourself. It's easy to just focus on the runner, but yeah, you could, you could, easily do you know 100 miles pacing at something like Coconana um, but Kevin had a pretty good crew so we, we kind of rotated I always wanted to do like two or three sections so I could get my my miles in <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think that the other crew members would usually do like one or two sections okay yeah now- and I think a crew I want to go back to the crew and pacing it's like such an important thing once you get late in a race and um, me and Kevin were pretty close, I'd say, for like the whole race. So interacted with Gabe and Kevin and my pacers and stuff too. But the pacers are like doing everything except the miles for you. Like you got to eat, drink, and sleep and move yourself. But they're like helping you with navigation, with turns, with how many miles are coming up, with texting the crew when you get to the next aid station. And this was my first race with pacers and it's like kind of amazing they're like you mentioned something you might want at the next aid station you get there it's already ready to go because your pacer like took care of everything they're just they're not making the miles any different but they're making them go a lot better it's kind of an amazing thing and they're the unsung heroes of every finisher of uh, these things yeah and i think it's uh, getting 90 minutes of sleep in in a race that is 70 plus hours long um, if you didn't have pacers, if you didn't have a crew helping you along the way, I'm not sure you, you would 
you would necessarily, I mean, you might still be moving out there, but you might, might not be moving towards the finish line. You may have taken a, a wrong turn somewhere <laughs> and you're out in the desert. Uh, who knows where? Be in the Flagstaff jail. That's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would have been. <laughs> I would have asked her to let me walk there so I could keep my race going. Yeah. <laughs> now, I just want to point out something here that, uh, you know, Kevin, you, you did 1,100 training miles. You felt like it the best best shape uh, ever for for an ultra for a 200 uh jeff you got sidelined by some stuff and you know your longest training run was you know 13.1 or 13 whatever whatever it was so very <laughs> two, two 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 very different approaches uh and training styles when you when you got there but there were 151 finishers in this race and there were 75 people who did not finish and so of the 151 finishers kevin you finished Number five, number five overall with a time of 74 hours, 24 minutes, and 58 seconds. And Jeff was right behind him at 75 hours, five minutes, and 20 seconds. And so we're not talking, you know, top 50%. We're not talking about top 10%. We're talking like a top, a top six finish. That is, that is remarkable. And I'm, I'm uh, humbled by the fact that I've got you both on here talking about it. Yeah, I'd like to yeah. say it. It's all because of this podcast that we finished top six. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, it's the mindset it, that we instilled. If it wasn't for this podcast, we would have been one and two. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All that time we could have spent training by being on before. That's right. No, but th thanks, Doc. And it was, it. I think, it. yeah, to toot our own horns a little, this was – probably the most competitive field that's ever lined up for, for one of these in the U S. Um, so yeah, it was, it was fun to, to compete and, and be up there. Yeah. We should have been top four, but you know, a couple things went wrong, but we'll get that next year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Four <laughs> runner before Matt Smith, he was at 70, just over 73 hours. And then Annie Hughes, uh, was number three at 71 hours. And then you get into uh, the 60s. And then Joe McConaughey, who finished first, he was uh, in under 60 hours. He was at 59.28. That's impressive. He yeah. started off hot. He had his race. He had the race that went really well. He just crushed it. We're not going to beat yeah. Joe. <laughs> not in that kind of race. <laughs> yeah. now, as a, so maybe as not a, one, two, maybe two, three. We could have got. Well, as a as a top uh, number five and a number six, I think that's automatic entry into the Barkley next year if you apply. So, <laughs> I don't think so. It's a lot of red tape to get into that thing. But who knows? Yeah, and they they changed the secret process this year. <laughs> Did they? Yeah. Oh, more insider information. You heard it here first. What what did they change, Gabe? <laughs> I, I'm still trying to find it out. <laughs> I think that would change. <laughs> now that you guys have bonded, the three of you have bonded, and you could put on your application. I'm not sure what the application looks like, but if you, you can put on your application that you are three-time guests on the John Freaking Mirpod, it might it might help things. That's probably a guaranteed entry, I'm yeah. guessing. Yeah. yeah. Are there any other three-time guests, or are we the first? Uh, no, uh, Ginger Balls has been oh, on. Oh, well, we're, we're right up there with Ginger Balls. I mean, That's come right. on. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Do you yeah, guys know Ginger Balls? Yeah. I don't know. Don't know? 
no. I've listened to the podcast and uh, yeah. it's fun to say ginger balls. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's just, just fun to say Ben Vaughn retired, <laughs> uh, retired Navy Lieutenant commander who is a triple crowner. So I guess I'd know ginger balls if I saw him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, any other memorable moments from that 250 miles, funny moments? Oh my gosh. Moments other than almost uh, being locked up. Well, I think one that involves all of us, I think we were all out there, was there was this one section, there's like maybe four or five miles that's cross country, and they happened to have not flagged it, and it was like early morning light or not even, the sun wasn't even up, and like my pacer and me and Kevin and I think Gabe was out there. Yeah, it was Gabe, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and we were all just like glued to our gps trying to find our way across this section with no flagging altogether it felt like not a race at all just like a you know just route finding along like an expanse and just wandering through this wide open private field that's open just for this race and it, it was kind of funny like yelling back and forth trying to see if anyone was on the track and stuff and fighting through stickers and yeah, the race really had it all. We uh, were bushwhacking <laughs> together in the true sense of whacking bushes out of the way to get through them. <laughs> and then there was the random barbed wire that was laying in the grass. Uh, like I got a pretty good cut on my leg where I stepped on it, and then it popped up and gashed my legs. Where they when they're you know from the fence, and they just threw it in the grass, figuring no one will ever walk through here. <laughs> yeah, what kind of fool? What kind of fool will be walking through here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a like miles like. 90 to 110 or something or around there it was like a lot of interaction from uh kevin and me and our pacers and stuff and we're sharing a lot of miles and it was pretty fun because those are where i think that makes the 200s kind of specials you're like so far from the beginning you don't really remember the start you're so far from the end you're not like cutthroat trying to crush anyone you're just having like some fun conversations out there interacting with other other groups and runners and just like enjoying your time moving forward. And that's what makes it unique is like a, a marathon. You kind of know how far it is like a 250. It's such a time that's so far beyond what you can comprehend that for so much of it, you're just in the middle of it. You can't really picture even finishing for a while. You have just a, a vague idea of, of yep. where, where you are in this whole thing. Holy smokes. Now the the uh, race organizer is R of am I saying this right R of Vipa running, close yeah Air Vipa Air yeah. Vipa okay, and is Jamil Corey affiliated with 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 that organization? He is yeah. the it's... the owner CEO yeah 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 because uh, did you have a chance to meet meet up with him and talk to him at all? Talked to him some yeah yeah he is always busy helping live stream everything. But yeah, he was out there and Steve, I think it's Adderholtz is the race director. And it's just amazing just to like give them a minor pat on the back, like a fire breaks out less than two weeks before the start of the race. And it's like, okay, how are they going to have this race? They still come up with a 250 mile route in Arizona that ends in Flagstaff. It's just pretty crazy the logistics involved in a race like that. And then to have to pivot with, less than two weeks left and they still found us 250 miles to race they're just yeah. incredible well you all well, have a said. special bond with with uh, jamil Corey as well yeah he's a guest as well that's right he was on the podcast as well yeah mm -hmm. right 
Nice. Now, do you have a favorite section of the Cocodona 250? What was your What was your favorite geographical section of that race? No, uh, no. Uh, I think for me, it was probably Fort Tuttle to the finish of the final 37 miles, um, especially Fort Tuttle to Walnut Canyon. I think it's some of the nicest trails on the course. Um, they are certainly trails as opposed to some of the other rocky paths that I guess you call trails. Um, so yeah, that's my favorite. Yeah. I think that Eldon climb, I'd say Walnut Canyon to the finish or just Walnut Canyon to the top of Eldon. Like there's something so cool about being 240 miles in and having to climb a massive mountain before you get to finish. I think it's just (laughs) kind of like, all right, you made it this far. Like, how bad do you want it? We got to go straight up this mountain. And the steps are like two and a half, three feet high. And so, you know, your legs are tired. Your hips don't even want to step up that high, but you have to. It's like the most uneven terrain, but it's kind of epic that your body can actually do that that late. I'm just always amazed that, what, 150 people made it up that Elden climb 240 miles into a race. That's just insane. Now, that is a bit insightful. Uh, Gabe and Kevin, I want you to help me analyze Jeff's personality here. What does that tell us about Jeff's personality, that that is his favorite portion of the race, is, is climbing Mount Eldon after 240 miles? Oh, I, don't, I probably would agree with him. I mean, for me, it was my out-of-body experience. And my, the, the joke I was, I was like, it's like Frodo and Samwise climbing Mountain Doom. That was what the visual I had. Like me and Kevin climbing Mountain Doom to throw the ring of power into the, the volcano. So that was... I think it was cool the year I did it because when we came out of Walnut Canyon, it's about 20 miles to the finish. And um, when I did it, Kevin got me through there really fast. And he we, we come out of there and he goes, you just moved up three spots um, and you're in the top 20. And I was like, oh, well, we better start running then. And so <laughs> we, start take, we take off running and you know, run pretty consistently to Alden. But he's on the tracker and he can, he's telling me like these other runners are right behind me. So you could feel it's like you're at the end of a 250 mile race and you can feel the pressure that these runners are, are behind behind you. Um, but that was also I kept telling Kevin, I was like, when we get to Walnut Canyon, that's when the race is going to start. You know, be prepared, <laughs> do whatever you have to do. If you have to poop, you're pooping before Walnut Canyon. Because after that, that's when the race is like, oh, no, I, I want it to be boring it's it's not going to be boring <laughs> and it, exactly it wasn't boring predicted. it it that's when the race started um and that was it was pretty amazing to have a front row seat to see kevin rally there um because that's did, uh, actually... go ahead oh i was gonna say did the switch kind of flip for both of you too when you got there and it's like okay here's eldon and then the ends in sight so that's how i felt like the switch flipped it's like i'm so motivated let's like run even the slight uphill like where you did you guys feel the same like we gotta go oh, oh definitely yeah. from i mean and it was i'd be lying if i you know coop was a huge motivator for me like i did i did want to catch him um <laughs> course, and then once same. i once once i caught him i did not want to even leave like a, a chance for for it to be caught back so um yeah i mean i impressed myself with the with the paces i was throwing down for that last 20 miles especially considering how I mean, just completely wrecked i felt on the previous section um i mean it was yeah so definitely it felt like a a, a switch flipped okay, so i am 
the most badass rally I've ever seen. Like that section before Kevin's hiking and I'd get him to run for like a minute at a time. And I'm like, okay, we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to jog and hike it in. And then Walnut Creek and he starts throwing down eight minute miles. <laughs> I actually said, slow down. And he's like, no, I feel good. I'm like, all right, let's let it rip and see what happens. <laughs> so I'm prepared to have my ego crushed right here, Kevin. So uh, I ran the San Diego Rock and Roll Marathon last October, and I was in great shape when I great shape for me when I did it. And it's my fourth marathon, and I knew that when I hit the 20 mile mark in under three and a half hours, that I was going to break the the five hour and 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 do a PR for for me. So I was really excited, and I'm still no matter what you say now, I'm still going to be satisfied. <laughs> and happy about that accomplishment. But I just have to know. So I did 20 in three and a half hours. That was the first 20 of the race. And so at this point in the race, uh, in the in the Cocodona, those, those last 20 miles or the 20 miles, you, you said that uh, you really kicked it in gear. What did you do those 20 miles in? What was, what was the time? I'd have to go back and look on shot. I think you probably have me beat. Um, but not by much. I, I want to say it was it was <laughs> less less than four hours, right, Gabe? Uh, it sounds about right. Plus, plus he ran over a mountain. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there was a little bump in there. Yeah. Okay. Trails in a pack on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but other than that, I was quicker. I was quicker than him. I think so. you were. Yeah, I think that's just focus on that. You were yeah, quicker. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You got the win. Looking big picture here. There, there's a 20 mile yeah. stretch where I was faster than you. So okay. That's right. <laughs> nice all right hey what uh what's next for the crew here what, what what's your next adventure for each of you kevin's got a big year and gabe i don't really have anything yeah planned, so let's hear from that <laughs> I, i've got western states coming up in um six weeks five weeks um for those who don't know western states was like the first 100 miler in the country it's probably the most famous 100 miler in the world certainly one of them um, along with that, it's one of the most competitive hundred milers, um, took me seven years to get in via a lottery. You don't get to choose when you run it. So this year's the year. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, I, I hope to go under 24 hours to get the silver buckle. That's my only goal there. I don't have any other, um, hopes or dreams there. Um, I am currently registered for Bigfoot 200. Um, but for the sake of my marriage, I will probably drop out of that and crew and pace my wife who's running her first 200. Um, so that's probably my plan there. Well, good. Uh, and then her. for the fall. Yeah. Thank you. I'll, I'll let her know. Um, have you told her and, that or is she going to find out when she listens to the podcast? <laughs> I, I've like alluded to it a bunch of times. I'm going to, I'll probably, I'll tell her in a notarized letter. Um, <laughs> And then uh, the fall is wide open for me. I'm look, you know, looking forward to some kind of solo self-supported adventures, maybe some big gravel rides on my bike uh, or some some kind of fast packing style adventures. Uh, maybe I'll hop into a race here or there, but, but keeping it open and, and see what happens. Okay. Gabe, I think you told us a little bit uh, about what's next for you earlier, but just remind us. Yeah, so you have uh, Tahoe 200 coming mm -hmm. up in, I think, four weeks. Uh, Kevin's going to be there. To, to crew me so hopefully i'll recapture some of some of his magic and have a you know a sprint to the finish uh, but really for me the big race is tour de giants or the tour of giants in the italian alps um, which is kind of a, a dream race and a nightmare race it's a terrifying race just because 
So the Cocodona that you just described, um, I think this year had about 30,000 feet of vertical and 250 miles. Tordesantes has over 80,000 feet of vertical and 200 miles. So it's um, it's unlike any race in in the U.S. Um, so that's that's exciting and that's also that's also terrifying. So my summer is going to be run up a mountain, run down a mountain, <laughs> over and over again. Sounds like yeah, a lot of type Tour de Chance is one of like it's like one of the premier ultra challenges out there. So just to, it's across the pond, so a little less talked about it here, but it's it's insane. You should uh, look it up if you're a listener and willing to look into something that is kind of insane. <laughs> yeah, it's right up there with like Barkley, kind of insanity. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Barkley, uh, Legend, you're going to run a, a couple of 5Ks in preparation for the Barkley? <laughs> yeah, probably in Crocs. I mean, Runner's World seems to love my Croc-based uh, stuff. They don't love any real running. They just like to say that don't run in Crocs like I do. In the <laughs> articles they write about me. <laughs> what, what not to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll maybe push a stroller in one. Did that last year. <laughs> Running two left shoes again. Um, I'm not sure what I'll do with my summer. I've been kicking around some stuff, but man, the sleep deprivation from this one seems to have lingered longer than usual, and it makes me hesitant to like really commit and dive into something until I feel like at least 90% of myself, but still just crashing hard, kind of a shell of myself. Hopefully we didn't embarrass each other on this uh, podcast because I think we're, me and Kevin are maybe like only mostly here. <laughs> you guys are, are floating just slightly outside your body. You stayed awake the whole time, so I want to congratulate you and, and thank you for that. It make, makes for a better podcast episode when all the guests are, are awake. So thank you. <laughs> Yeah, how can the yeah, how can the listeners be awake if the guests aren't? <laughs> true. Absolutely true. All right. The pro tip insight of the week. Okay, half calf. She's reminding us it's time for the pro tip insight of the week, that time of the episode where each of you is going to share a bit of wisdom, outdoor adventure wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. So what do you have for us? You guys have been dripping trail wisdom the whole way, but uh, here, here's the official part of the episode. Silence, dead silence. <laughs> Don't want to give up the secret sauce. <laughs> no, I guess I, I can go first. I have one here, um, which in, in a 200 miles, um, I think one of the things that's really indispensable that kind of alluded to is, is dirt naps. They usually have sleep stations in these races, but I find they're not great places to sleep um, because it's light, the, the, the volunteers are talking, it's noisy. Like the best sleep. I've ever gotten in my life is a dirt nap. And so uh, this is one of the things I, I kind of, I feel like I perfected at Moab 240, which is the caffeine dirt nap. Um, so I take, uh, ideally, you know, the caffeine nap is you drink a cup of coffee and you take a nap and you wake up 20 minutes refreshed. We can't carry a cup of coffee. So I'll carry like 200 milligram caffeine pills and I take one, lay down in the dirt. And then like 20 minutes later, like you levitate off of the ground when the, the, the caffeine is, is hitting but like that 20 minute sleep some of the best sleep in my life is like laying in the dirt on the side of, <laughs> of the, the trail at moab or or in cocodona i think probably cocodona like mile 200 i laid down in the grass and slept for 25 minutes and it felt like i slept for like a week i thought i like slept a day i got up and i'm like 
I've, I've been here for like a day. And it's like, oh, 25 minutes. Um, so for people who are looking at 200s, um, this is where I see the sleep strategies where a lot of the runners make mistakes. They, they're kind of like walking dead zombies. And they're like, oh, I can't sleep until I get to a sleep station. And they get to a sleep station and it's so noisy that they can't sleep. And um, so then they end up not sleeping for most of the race is just embrace the dirt nap. Like as soon as you're, when you're tired, um, just lay down, set your alarm for 10 minutes. Um, I always lay down and I, I close my eyes and I go, oh, I'm not gonna fall asleep. And then I wake up 10 minutes later, <laughs> my alarm goes off. And it's like the best 10 minutes sleep in my life. So um, aspiring 200 runners, uh, learn to love the dirt nap. I actually practice it in training. I'll go out for a night run and I'll just take a dirt nap on the side of the trail. <laughs> I'm like, I still got it. <laughs> Gabe, I am fired awesome. up. I'm going to, I'm going to do that at work tomorrow. I'm going to take yeah. a dirt nap. <laughs> there you work. go. Just go out in the parking lot <laughs> or something. That's right. <laughs> That's great. All right. Next? My tip is my my pro tip is uh, is beer. And so, <laughs> I had uh, I think two beers during Cocodona. I have I've had some on other things, but see the the pro tip here is an IPA has over 300 calories. Not great for like your diet, but when you're burning so much and like consuming 300 calories when you don't want to like really eat, sounds like a lot. You just drink a beer. It's not the the sugar high and crash of a soda, but you're still getting 300 calories in there. And I'd say a couple of these aid stations where I was like changing shoes or socks, if I could get, get an IPA down, you want to go low ABV or else you'll be really a mess. But you want, like, if you can get those 300 calories down, that's like straight carbs. Your body can work on it. It's not sugar. You know, it's like a little way to plug the, the sinking ship of calorie deprivation or depletion there. And I would say like, even if you get half of one down, that's 150 easy to use calories for your body. It's really the unsung hero of uh, my adventures. Wow, a couple things there, legend. When you when you started off, I, I thought you said gear, and I'm thinking oh, we already talked about gear. He's going to talk about gear again, yeah. and then I realized it wasn't gear; it was beer. And uh, beer. I was I, I'm intrigued. And so you're not recommending like a 9.4% uh, space dust. IPA yeah. at mile 240 when you're on, you know, 90 minutes of sleep over the last three days, that, that could do. You know some what? Damage. No, I do recommend that. I want to nice. see what that, <laughs> but at like mile one, 180, maybe you want like that 4%, whatever with, yeah, it's just those liquid calories that aren't sugar, I think are hard to find. And, you know, it's, it's just some calories because you want to be consuming any way you can. And especially, that second day or second night is rough. And if, you know, crack a beer and you're going to be in the aid station for 10 or 15 minutes, that's, that's great calories. <laughs> now, do they typically carry those in the aid stations or do you have to tell your crew, Hey, we're going to need a sixer here. Um, last race. year when I had no crew, two different aid stations had pretty good beers there. One guy was celebrating his birthday at Walnut Canyon last year. And it was like, hell yeah, I'll stay here for a couple extra minutes to sing you happy birthday and drink a beer. It's like, <laughs> this is supposed to be fun. <laughs> That's awesome. Nice. Okay, Kevin, up to you. Your pro tip. Um, my, I'll start with my, my liquid pro tip. is uh, I, I, So my, my version of the beer is chocolate milk. Oh, um, good one. Good one. I drink so much chocolate milk during these things. 
um, just tons. Um, it, it, it sits really well with me. It is kind of like that perfect fuel where it's got a little bit of everything, fat, protein, sugar. Um, it, they're usually most of the prepackaged chocolate milks have a, a good chunk of sodium and electrolytes as well. Um, and they're usually, you know, somewhere between 250 and 350 calories. So, um, those work really well for me. I try to have those like every 50 K or so, um, either in my drop bags or with my crew. Uh, and then my other pro tip, uh, for anyone kind of thinking about doing a 200 or getting into ultras is, I mean, the community, it feels like beating a dead horse and talking about how cool the community is, but it really is so cool. And like, if you need anything out there, like, I can't tell you how many people I gave like calories or, or, or medicine to, you know, I don't know if you're supposed to do that or whatever, but like, if you need something, just ask a fellow runner and vice versa, you know, like, or, and be willing to offer to a fellow runner because I, I, I see it happen all the time. And I think that's a, a really cool part of the race. Um, like kind of Jeff alluded to earlier, like, yeah, we're all competing. We all want to beat the next guy, but at the end of the day, like it's fun. And, you know, I'm not really viewing you as competition until the race is over. Like, um, when we're out there, we're all just kind of hanging out. So don't be shy about being that guy. Sounds like yeah, a really tight knit, positive, uh, community, just like the through hiking community. Yeah. I got to piggyback on that. Cause me and Kevin ran a lot of the race within probably an hour of each other. And it's not like, like, I don't know. It's not like we were cutthroat or competitive. I was stoked to see the tracker when he moved up a place and then I was able and then see him finish and stuff. It was like, yeah, we want to all do the best we can, but it wasn't like I'm rooting for him to like keel over and pass out near the finish. It was like this camaraderie of rooting for everyone to do really well. And I think that's the cool thing. It's like we didn't run within an hour of each other for like the whole race as like, hoping to destroy each other at the end we want to like do the best we can but it was more like this is awesome we're doing really well and like like met at mile three and then finish and say what's up at the finish line i think that's more the sentiment of like it's competitive and it's a race but it's such a long race that there's so much room for the other things that are lacking in like a marathon or something shorter well said well said so there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with the Cocodona crew. I want to thank them for joining us this week. Guys, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? Um, I am not super active on social media, though now that I'm the people's runner, I'm, I'm really trying to put my best foot forward. Um, got a lot to live up to over here. My uh, Instagram is ultra fly kev that's ultra like ultra running fly like fly fishing and kev like the first three letters of the name kevin i didn't um, i don't think you've explained that before i, I always just thought it's because you're like ultra fly like you are you are no, super cool man i thought you were gen z or yeah gen yeah. z here <laughs> uh i'm also on facebook and strava and uh yeah you can find me wherever i, I uh do a little bit of coaching, do a little bit of matchmaking, and um, I'm just a real hoot to hang out with if you're into it. Yeah, I'm single. Can you matchmake for me? <laughs> uh, yeah, we can probably hook you up. There's some some pretty attractive coaches I know. We'll we'll, we'll take it <laughs> offline. <laughs> um, I'm the free outside on 
Instagram and uh, all my hot takes on Twitter are at the free outside. And I'd say really want to boost that Twitter following, really getting into a dying uh, platform. So catch me over there. <laughs> and I'm on Facebook and have just freeoutside.com number of stuff. But yeah, if you really want to support it, you don't even need to read the book. Just buy it and put it on your bookshelf and sell it to your friends or something. Now, Jeff, don't don't sell yourself short. You left off another social media platform that's really taken off for you. Tinder? <laughs> nice. <laughs> TikTok, link, my friend. Link to Tinder. Oh, TikTok. yeah, yeah. I got, I got some TikTok stuff going. I think I'm uh, Mr. something Mr. G. I haven't been on there in a while, but yeah. I've been doing a little substitute teaching in the last few months and putting some funny stories on there and Apparently, teachers are kind of crazy, and it's gone a little viral, so it's pretty fun. It has gone viral. My alter, yeah. my alter ego is a little bit out now. <laughs> now, I, this this is a sitcom idea where uh, oh, ultra no. runner, uh, calendar year triple crowner, um, ultra runner, Barkley Marathon competitor becomes a substitute teacher. I would tune in every week to see that the next episode of that. <laughs> One one class that I did, it was fifth grade, and they all found my YouTube, and the whole school subscribed to it by the end of the day. And it was like, oh, my God, I need to go right home and make sure this is, like, censored for this age. This is really scary. <laughs> that is awesome. But it was. Don't worry. It all worked out. No, no firing. <laughs> How about you, Gabe? Uh, yeah, I have Facebook and, and Instagram. I keep joking, you know, Kevin, that my next race, I'm going to TikTok the whole thing um, once I figure out how to do that. Uh, but I'm, yeah, I'm just a regular guy with a job and family and just do this crazy stuff for fun. Um, so, but I, I'm out there. You can find me on Strava, follow my crazy adventures. Okay. And when is Tour de Jantz if we all want to learn more and follow along? Is that September? Uh, September, yeah. Cool. Yeah, Definitely. I would encourage everyone to look it up. It's it's hard to know too much about the European stuff over here, but it's something that just it's crazy knowing people who've uh, who've done it and stuff. It's quite an adventure, and that's awesome. You're going you're going yeah. out there and doing it. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be an uh, amazing adventure. Well, Jeff, you sure. sold me on it, and we've got a a mutual friend in it, so I'm definitely gonna gonna look it up and follow along. Perfect. What have we not asked you? Oh, half calf. I'm not sure where that accent is, but uh, uh, <laughs> this, is, this is the time of the episode where I get to ch- check in with you guys and see what what we've missed. Uh, what do you want to share with us that uh, we haven't covered yet? This is your your chance to do an exclusive here on the John Freaking Your Pod. So, wow. Uh, for me, I think we covered everything. I, I we we had a good chat. I'm uh. I'm happy with where we're at. My 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 third time on the the JFP might be my best. JFP? JFMP. I'm sorry. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Drop the letter there. Yeah. What are what are letters anyway? Hey, it's not a silver buckle, but maybe I'll get some stickers out to you guys. That'd be great. <laughs> That'd be sick. I'll put it on my buckle. I'll put it on my forehead. <laughs> All right. Jeff or Gabe? Um, well, you didn't ask if any of us threw up or anything during the race. You didn't get into bodily functions. We just hit on bloody noses and I'd say I threw up like realistically 
close to 50 times, maybe closer to 100. So I had a good race. Seriously? Yeah, I had a bad night. It was a lot of throwing up and dry heaving. It's all part of the fun. I mean, even Joe threw up. Your body at some point just wants to be like, here's some reasons to stop going. Please just stop. <laughs> we'll do it by making you want to puke. Nice. Oh. You make it sound so appealing. I'm sure that many of our <laughs> listeners are going to sign up for a 200. Well, you know, you want to be prepared. You want to know what you could be in for. Like one point my pacer was like, do you want to sit down? It's like, no, we're not getting closer to the end. If I sit down, I can dry heave and walk. Like, let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> That's the spirit. Yeah. I don't think you didn't puke, did you, Kevin? I don't, I don't, I don't remember saying that. I did not puke. Um, apparently, I, I if it was on night two, you said I think I probably hiked through a bunch of Jeff's puke, but I, I didn't puke myself. <laughs> yeah, I apologize to your shoes. Yeah, yeah. So now, good. could that be could that be the result of eleven hundred miles of training versus a half marathon? <laughs> I mean, it That's could probably. be. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it could be a lot of things at that point in any race. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that is a wrap from the John Freaking Muir studio. Any shout outs to friends and families, guys? Uh, yeah, I have one. I want to give a shout out to uh, two of our friends who trained for the Cocodona 250. Uh, Tim Kronk, uh, he finished with the most badass ultra lean. He was like at a 45 degree angle. He did that yeah. 40 miles to the finish with an ultra lean. It's the grittiest thing I've ever seen. And then and today uh, is his 60th birthday. Oh yeah, today we, we're recording. We're, we're, yeah. Wow. Um, so yeah, he's 59 years old, almost 60. He finished Coconut 250, doing the last 40 miles with an ultra lean, uh, super gritty. And then uh, also shout out to to our friend Peter Noyce, who came almost to the finish, still ran over 200 miles. Uh, he he got a he won a prize from the medic for having the the top. 10 worst toe that the medic had seen at the, the race. It looked like his toe was going to fall off. So it oh. was, he, he still made it over 200 miles. So it was super fun following these guys through training and through the race. And uh, when I wasn't with Kevin, I was going and, and helping uh, Tim and, and Peter. Um, so it was, uh, it was very cool to have a front row seat to all that. Nice. Kevin and Jeff, any shout outs? Mine are the, the same too. I, I shared a lot of training miles with, with Peter and Tim. I had the pleasure of, of doctoring Peter's feet after the race. That was great. So thanks for that, Peter. Um, and uh, yeah, both are just, you know, just two of the best guys who put in a lot of work for this race. All right. And I'll give uh, to the team fun, the, my first ever crew and team of Pacers. We had Jenny and Kristen, Ari, Sydney, and Josh and Bryce all were part of this epic adventure that was fun to share in as a community. And I'll uh, send a shout out back to one of your past guests and good friends, Cameron, that you had on. So I think that'll sum it up. That's right. Cameron Pinecone. Pinecone out there. Pinecone. There you go. Yep. Okay. Well, thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if the neighbors have called the cops on you during a 250 mileish race. The trail is the trail. Embrace the dirt nap. Mm -hmm.